You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Hey, evening, evening. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 3, and we'll be having a look through verse 1 to 12. Um, I'll I'll read that. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) Can flappy uh, Bible pages here. Okay, James chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed by and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh, fresh water. All right. So, um, yeah, we're going to be delving into this passage um, and then looking at uh, bringing in a few other passages as we go along. But um, I just wanted to recap just some of the key points um, from this morning because uh, they're kind of crucial to um, what's going to happen here. But Basically, um, with holiness, um, as with any area of the Christian faith, it's so important that we know what the Bible says and we live what the Bible says. Um, because if we don't, <laughs> we're just going to get it all wrong. Like it's going to be, it might be a slight degree out, it might be exactly, you know, pretty right on, but just a, a little bit out and it's going to be very bad. Um, I was listening to a sermon and this guy said um, about Jesus, it describes him as the word that became flesh. And it's like the Bible took on meat, <laughs> took on a person, and it just, everything that you read in there, like the holiness, the godliness, the uh, right life before the Lord, prayer, all these things, it just, as uh, it says in the message, it moved into the neighborhood. And that's the, one of the pursuits in this area of the Christian life, is to imitate Jesus in that way, is to make the Bible our lives, that I'm a walking, talking Bible. If you want to read my life, you can read this. You know, it's, it's one and the same. There's no difference. That's one of the pursuits of the Christian faith is to be a walk and talk in Bible. Word became flesh. And so in the area of holiness, um, there's things that we think, believe or do that are not in line with the Word of God. And it's so important to come to the Word to refine it so that we could become more and more that walk and talk in Bible. Um, so, 
there are three points that we looked at from holiness this morning. The first is from Revelation 4.8, which is basically that God is holy. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So it's Revelation 4.8. God, in His essence, who He is, is holy. Second thing, um, this is from Hebrews 12.14 and Matthew 5.8, is that without holiness, we cannot see God. So if you want to see God, if you want to look at Him, you're going to need a holy life in order to see that. Um, Thirdly, um, it is God's will that we should be sanctified. That's from 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. So holiness is part of the will of God. And if we want to do God's will, then we've got to pursue holiness. Um, And then lastly, um, holiness pleases God. Um, So if you read in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 to 3 there, it talks about um, living quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And this is pleasing to God our Father. And with these things and all the scripture together, we begin to get a picture of what holiness looks like. But keep those in your mind. God is holy. We need holiness to see God. It is God's will that we be holy. And being a holy person brings pleasure to God. Alrighty. So that's a, a brief recap. Um, if you want to, uh, there's more detail in there, um, but I might refer to that sermon a few times throughout. We'll see how we go. All right. Back to James, <laughs> chapter 3. Um, so he says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you, you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And um, it's a very helpful and important thing when you've got a, a, a good instructor. And if you want to be a good instructor of others in the Christian faith, then pursue a holy tongue. Pursue a holy tongue. And what that means is 99% of the time, most people don't see what your tongue's doing. They don't hear what your tongue's doing. But if you're on a holy tongue, it means that 99% of the time, it's doing exactly what it should be doing. And the 1% when people do see it, it's still doing what it's doing. That's, that's kind of a holy tongue, okay? And if you want to be a teacher, which is a great thing to be. We need teachers in the church. We need people who, who can teach and instruct and, and guide us. If you want to be a teacher, pursue having a holy tongue. Um, he says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And it's interesting that he says this, like, if you're able to keep your tongue in check, like 100% of the time, does exactly, you know, you've got it in check and under control, perfect man. And I've considered that, and I'm thinking, part of that is... The tongue is the first visible place, perhaps, where we see kind of what's going on in someone's mind. You know that as people, we cannot read each other's minds, like everyone knows that, but you can read someone's mind, can't you? You can see, like, maybe in their tone of voice what they're thinking, or, oh yeah, you can, you can explain what you're thinking to someone, so that we, we can't see it in the way that God can see what's going on in our minds or hearts, but we can through the tongue. That is probably one of the um, earliest visual things that you're going to see, um, visual, <laughs> audible, ways that you're going to see, um, yeah, the, what's happening in someone's mind or heart. So we see that, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, we'll see Jesus, Jesus kind of unpack that a bit through some of his teaching. Um, so this is Matthew 12, 33 to 37. And he's talking to a group of Pharisees who've just called him demon-possessed. Man, I tell you what, that's pretty wrong, isn't it? Imagine calling the Son of God demon-possessed. Yeah, he's a bit, bit out there, but anyway. So Jesus continues on a conversation with the Pharisees. And he says to him in verse 33, 
make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Um, so we're just going to park here for a bit and try and unpack some of this. But you see here that Jesus is talking about the fruit of a tree. You know, like a good tree produces good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. That's pretty straightforward. Everyone kind of gets that. But he's talking here about the condition of a heart. The good man, he's using that as picture, the good man brings good things out of the good sort up in him. And a verse, a part of this passage I've just found so helpful for myself. It's this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, do you know that you can actually conceal what's going on in your heart? You already know that. You've already done that. So have I. But it's not right to. <laughs> it's better to live less concealed. But we can conceal what's going on in our hearts. We can, we can shut that in. You know, if we think badly of someone, if we, oh, I don't really like them, we can conceal that, you know. But Jesus says, when the heart is on overflow, the mouth speaks, okay? So imagine you've just had something really terrible happen, and you're just so crushed inwardly. It's like this, you can't contain it, and it overflows out into whatever expression it is of that. Do you see that? There's this overflow of the heart. There's this, when there's deep emotion or something, you cannot, cannot prevent it coming out. It's like this bursting forth out of your mouth, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's when you get, ah, oh, I can see what's happening in that person's heart through the tongue as people. That's what Jesus is saying. So if we're good, we bring good things out of our mouth from our heart. If we're evil, bring evil things. Good fruit, good tree. Bad fruit, bad tree. So the tongue is kind of the fruit. The tree is perhaps the person, so to speak. So um, listen to your tongue. Listen to your tongue and you'll be listening to your heart. You'll hear the fruit of your heart. And it's important to grow this. Jesus says in verse 36 this very interesting passage which... um, yeah, he says this, I tell you that men will have to give an account on the, on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Um, I don't know if you've ever read that, but I remember the first time reading that, I was like, nah, that can't be. It just kind of flicked through. But as the more I've thought and prayed about it um, and doing my best to take God his word, I say, yeah, there's a real reality in this. Every careless word I've ever spoken, the Lord will call me to account for. Um, now, on the Day of Judgment, I, I don't know if you've seen this very clear in the Scripture, um, because it's sometimes obscured and, and not um, explained well, but there will be judgment for Christians. hate to break it to you, there will be judgment for Christians, but it's not um, for salvation. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul writes this, For we must all appear, he's writing to the Corinthians, the Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we won't be judged for salvation. That will be those who are outside of Christ, who have not um, believed um, 
uh, in what Jesus has done. But for those of us who have, the Scripture says that there is judgment for what we have done in the body. So exactly as Jesus is saying back here in Matthew 12, everyone will have to give an account for every careless word. And you, he goes on to say, by your words you'll be acquitted, by your words you'll be condemned, and we'll receive reward. Jesus speaks um, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount about um, working for a reward in heaven. So there's like a motivation there, that there is a reward that we receive in heaven. He says, where moth and, moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves cannot break in and steal. So work for that reward in heaven. It's hard, isn't it? Imagine, I just want you to think back, even maybe in the last 24 hours, the last like week if you need to, careless words, words that you may have spoken. <laughs> Can you think of any? <laughs> they come quite easily, don't they? Very carelessness. But there is a, a calling to account that we will have one day. And I tell you what, we can either receive that word from Christ, we can either say, yep, okay, I want to try and live my life in a way that every, I do not let careless words out of my mouth, or I can just say, it's going to be pretty difficult, I'll just put that one on the side, you know? <laughs> and so there's a process of receiving um, what Jesus is saying here, and if you would like to, there is blessing in receiving that. If you would like to receive that word, when I say receive, I mean live by it. If you would like to make that something and say, Lord, that's so hard, that's such a high standard, but I want to live by it that, because that's what you've asked me to do, that's what you're wanting, then that will bring you blessing. It's brought me blessing. I don't get it right. I've definitely spoken careless words. Uh, even today, as I was reflecting on my day, I've spoken careless words today. But I pursue to have the least amount. <laughs> and if you would like to pursue having the least amount, there is blessing in that. Um, but again, from this morning's sermon, pursue it by the grace of God. Don't do it of your own strength. We'll look at that a bit more um, later on. So a great passage uh, to help with that um, is from Proverbs. Um, and it's just a very simple proverb, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Protect what's happening down here on the inside. What are you letting into your heart? What, is, what, are, you, what are you letting come into your life and then you're going to live that back out. That's going to affect if the tree is good or bad, what's coming into your heart. So protect it. Hide it away. Um, do not you know, just let anything come in, but above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. As you guard your heart and protect the inner places of your life from uh, evil and, and seek to, for good to come in, that good will flow out of your life and you'll just naturally live out goodness. It's the wellspring of life, it says. You'll naturally live out what's happening in your heart. So seek for that goodness. It's interesting. I never noticed this before with this verse, and I've, I've used it many times. But notice the very next verse that says in verse 24, that after guard your heart is the wellspring of life, put away perversity from your mouth, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. It's a good, simple, straightforward step and so applicable to having a holy tongue. Put perversity away from your mouth. Again, you know, are you willing to accept that word? Are you willing to, Lord, I want to live by that? Let corrupt talks uh, talk far from your lips. Let's head back to James. Um, and James has got um, 
in uh, verse 3, uh, the next section, he talks about kind of these comparisons and, and uses some images. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they steer by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. Have a look at mine in comparison to me. It's tiny, isn't it? It's tiny. The tongue is a small part of the body. um, uh, But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Tell you what, we know that now. Um, or we in living in uh, the fire season currently here. What a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It's so strong, isn't it? It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's what your tongue's like. So is mine. <laughs> you never heard such bad words about your tongue. <laughs> That's what the scripture teaches us. So you can see that by how you use your tongue, you can just completely wreck, set a whole forest on fire through, through how you use your tongue. Um, again, Proverbs um, talks a fair bit about the tongue, and in chapter 15, it says this, that um, when we give a gentle answer, it turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I just remember this case that happened about a year ago to me, and I, I was up, it was actually New Year's Eve, and we were discussing with some friends something about theology. I have no idea what it was. But we were talking about, I think it may have even been prophecy. Anyway, talking about this aspect of prophecy. And um, I was talking with my friend, and um, his wife was there at the time, Dawny was there as well. And um, we were chatting away, just having a conversation, and everyone was kind of listening in. They were playing a board game in the background. And then all of a sudden, his wife turned to me and was very strong uh, with uh, what she was saying. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, in, in saying her opinions. But I really want to live like this, and I recognize the power in this. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So I just kept my tone as even as I could. I didn't want to try and raise my voice above hers to try and make my opinion, but instead actually... You know, if she was coming in high, I wanted to lower down. And I just really spoke softly, gently, listened as best I could. And man, just diffused. Just diffused the whole thing. It's a great sound. Um, and later, my, my friend commented to me and he said, you know, that was really, um, oh, I can't remember his exact words, but, you know, I really appreciated, it was to the effect, I really appreciated the way that you, you responded, you know, like, and it was really helpful and made me... Th- think it and consider myself. And you can see how quickly, you know, what you can do with your tongue, like in a situation like that. And you've all been in situations like that, you know. Often they happen around home, don't they? <laughs> Sliding with family and those sorts of things. I definitely did that as a uh, growing up. Um, but if you seek to give back a gentle answer when someone is coming in with their tongue and they're trying to rip you to shreds, cut you to pieces, tear you down, just destroy you with their tongue, you give a gentle answer back, more often than not, it's going to diffuse that situation. Just let it cool off. You act the opposite way, a harsh word stirs up anger. You're going to pour oil on the fire for them. You're just going to be... It's going to be going. 
So you can see the power in the tongue in that way, in what it can do. Um, I just want to turn now to um, Ephesians, and it just gives some very practical um, things on what um, the Lord desires for our tongues. Ephesians chapter 5. Again, as um, all these scriptures are coming, um, I just encourage you, go away and just pray before the Lord. Reflect on them, if you've written them down or if you can remember them. Just reflect, Lord, is this how I'm wanting to adjust my life and live by? Because... Uh, I tell you what, there is so much blessing in the Christian faith and I want to do my best to lay hold of it by the power of God. So Ephesians 5, verse 4. Um, Paul's just been talking about impurity, sexual morality, greed. These things are improper for God's holy people. Verse 4, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And these are, again, very high standards. Have you ever had any foolish talk, like joked around with someone? And uh, I just want to be careful here because it it can get very legalistic and you can be like, oh, foolish talk, don't even joke, come on. And and that's not what it's about. If you start trying to be strict like that, it's going to bring death. It's going to be so, like, it's going to bring this just morbidness. But think on what Paul is trying to speak about here. Foolish talk. Are you just being foolish in how you speak? How you're using your tongue? Are you just throwing words out, just being flippant, blasé? Are, are your words really carrying weight? Like if I, if I listened to you and I thought, you know, I've got to figure out when to trust them or not, you know? Does that, does that make sense? Like... It's a great thing when your words carry the same amount of weight consistently throughout your life. If your words carry a differing amount of weight, so it's like, oh, I'll just take what he says there with a grain of salt, but here, you know, I really got to, you know, listen to what he's saying. That's very, it's inconsistent and can get hard to judge. You know, you're hard to discern what they're, what to give weight to when you're listening to a person like that. But if you can trust someone, and you know these kind of people, you're probably already thinking of people in your mind who are like that, but um, people who are consistent, and they give similar weight to all of their words, and, and you know that you can give a far thorough trusting to what they're saying. Um, yeah, it's foolish talk. The next thing he says is coarse joking. And um, I have some people who I know, and uh, they're believers, and, and they love quoting films and, and uh, doing jokes and stuff, and they're happy to slip in a few swear words um, through with their quotes and their jokes and stuff and I don't know I just consider this verse and I think Lord you've said no coarse joking I don't even want to use swearing to like humor people I I want a holy tongue Lord I want to give weight all the time I want what you're wanting for my tongue I I don't want to just coarsely joke and for them that's fine they're they're wanting to you know enjoy the humor and, and um and, and laughing with people, but for me, I, I would much prefer not to have the fun and to do what I believe the Lord wants me to do as I see in the Scripture. And again, this is, you know, I encourage you to seek after the Lord, but you've got to make your own decision about what you're wanting to do with your tongue, you know? And for them, they're quite happy with that, but I don't know, if I'm reading the Scripture right, I believe I am, I'm trying to be faithful, it looks to me like 
there's things that they'll be receiving on judgment day for every careless word that's been spoken, as Christ said. I'm like, oh Lord, I want to live for eternity. I want to have that in my mind. I don't want to be so temporal and just enjoy making people feel good and laughing for a brief moment and then sacrificing something that I can receive in eternity. Do you see the kind of contrast here? So just, I encourage you, encourage you to lay hold of the holiness of the Lord. And it might, it seems so burdensome, like, oh man, so heavy, so much to change, so much to do. But it's by increments, bit by bit, bit by bit, changing bits of your life as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and as you follow His leading. And as you do that, there is much blessing to be gained in doing that. Much blessing to be gained. Let's return to James um, and pick up the next few verses of chapter 3. Verse 7 to 8, he says this, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And I was thinking about this a bit in a bit more. You can sorry, sorry to read over scripture, but you think about it a bit more, and you're like, "That's a great point, James." I, I want you to imagine. This is probably not the nicest thing for a lot of you, but a snake just comes into the building, you know, or a lion through the back door, or a crocodile through here. You got more chance of taming that thing than your tongue. That's what James is saying. Like, have a look at that snake crawling on the ground. I've had a snake crawl over my shoulders. This guy had tamed this python up in Alice Springs. You might have done something similar, you know? I think he'd taken his fangs out for precautions. But I had a python, like, I think it was eight foot or something, crawl over my shoulders when I was a little kid. And someone had tamed this snake. A killing machine has been tamed. All kinds of things people are able to tame. No man can tame the tongue. This small, little, bitty piece of the body... I want you to see it. I want you to see it. It cannot be tamed. You cannot tame it. But Luke 18 verse 27 says this, what is impossible for man is possible for God. And if you tonight would like to tame your tongue, you're going to need God's help because you cannot do it. And again, that's linking back to this morning's sermon about it's only by the grace of God that we can pursue holiness. If you want a holy tongue, if you want to live out these realities that we're, that we're reading in Scripture right now and other things that you can find there, you're going to have to call on the Lord your God to give you a hand. Because it says, no man can tame the tongue. Okay. And the, the final part of the passage, verse 9 to 12, let me read here. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear, bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. When I went to high school, um, I... Um, transitioned from primary school to high school, and I was insecure. Um, there was a pecking order being established, and I didn't want to be at the bottom. And so um, in order to work my way up the pecking order and to probably receive a bit of praise from man um, so that I could get up the pecking order, I started swearing a lot, probably a bit at the start and then a lot. 
Anyway, I was, I was very good at it in a bad way because what I could do was I could just swear like a trooper, like just dropping all sorts of words, left, right and centre, all through, it was just sprinkled all through my conversation. And then uh, on my way home, I'd flick this switch, go home, and nothing would come out of my mouth. Imagine that, how deceitful I was to my parents. Um, and we can do that with our tongues, you know? We can have that level of control. And so I was doing this for uh, one year, two years, and then I think in my third year, my little brother, bless his heart, came to high school, and he heard my swearing. No one had any idea at home until my brother came along to school, and I tell you what, I'm truly thankful that he went and dobbed me into my parents. I, I was, my dad asked me if that was true, and I thought, okay, I can either lie now or tell the truth. I thought, let's be honest, let me be honest here. So I, I said, yep, that's the case. And I remember he, he took, um, I don't know if this still happens these days, but uh, my toothbrush, cake of soap, rubbed it on, and then brushed my teeth out with this soap. Uh, and that was not an enjoyable experience, but it was a wake-up call for me, and I thought, Lord, um, I probably wasn't that conscious about it, but I decided I'm going to have a pure tongue. And it, you know what I was able to do then? Just flicked it off at school. But you see how I was living? Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? A salt spring cannot produce fresh water. You see how I was living? And the, the challenge with the holy tongue is this. Um, it's so easy to come to church on a Sunday and sing songs and then not have a holy tongue during the week. And it's not just singing songs, it's talking with people. You can flick it on and flick it off, just as I was doing. But it's through the week that the Lord is after your tongue. It's through the week. You can get anyone who swears like a trooper to do that, you know, when they know they're in the presence of someone like the Queen or, you know, they know like a Christian or something, you can see them there trying to hold their tongue in and not do it. Anyone can flick it on and flick it off. But is it about constantly having the tongue over the Lord? And tell you what, He is desiring it throughout the week. He is zealously desiring it. I I want you to imagine, right, um, that either your boss, your teacher, your lecturer, someone like that, and um, I hope you have a great relationship with them, but let's say that you don't think very nicely of them, right? And you're talking to them and you say, oh, you know, thanks so much for helping me out with this, that and the other, right? And you go away and you start chatting with some of your colleagues or your mates from school and then you just, man, you get so worked up about one of your irritations about this boss or teacher and you just start saying, man, I just honestly, I really find that guy so difficult. I would probably even say I hate him, you know, (laughs) whatever you say, you just really start bad-mouthing this guy, right? And then you notice that he's behind you. Oh, man, how much does your heart sink? I want you to imagine then, you try this, you go back to your boss or teacher the next day when you see them, you say, hey, just wanted to say I really appreciate, you know, who you are and, and you say a lot of positive things about it. Thank you for how you're helping me and all that. And then you go to your work. I want you to put yourselves now in the shoes of that boss or teacher. How much weight do you think that they gave to what you said after they heard, overheard, you know, you bad-mouthing them? Not that you've done this, but imagine, hypothetically, complete scenario. 
they're going to take what you said to them and just almost disregard it, aren't they? How much more then, when the Lord knows everything that comes from our tongues, and we come on a Sunday and we sing songs of praise. That's very heavy, but I want you to... It's hard. It's hard for the Lord to receive that. Would you receive that? It's difficult. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. You can almost hear the mourning tone in James there. This should not be. This should really not be. I just want you to consider the life of your tongue. It's throughout the week that God is zealous for it. You can get any old bloke, you know, Joe Bloggs, walking up the street, who's not even a Christian, come in, and within a few weeks, he's learnt the system of how to speak well on a Sunday and go out and do what he wants during the week with his tongue. Anyone can learn how to do that. But the Lord is after people who are seeking to have a holy tongue throughout the entire week. Probably the place that you are going to see this the most is perhaps in your family. (laughs) That's where I see it most in my life when I reflect. When you get really angry or frustrated at your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your brother's sister, what starts flying? You're on overflow. (laughs) the overflow of the heart. Can you feel the burning that you've had in your heart? The anger. You're just so annoyed at what they've done. And they've done it again and again. And you just... Flies. Flies out. You cannot tame your tongue if you want to do that. You're You're going to need the Lord's help. You're going to have to ask Him. Pray to Him. Get on your knees. Say, Lord, I can't do this. I want to do this. I can't. (laughs) You've probably even tried. You've probably even tried. You're not going to be able to do it. You're going to have to ask, Holy Spirit, I know you're with me. I need your help. I want to have a holy tongue. I want to have a holy tongue. I want to turn briefly to uh, Malachi, which is the um, last prophet in the Old Testament, so the last book of the Old Testament. And um, he gives this prophecy about the coming of Christ And in Malachi, like the opening chapter, he's kind of talked about how the people of Judah are bringing these blemished offerings before God, right? They're they're sacrificing animals, but they're sacrificing like their goat that's got like a blind eye or their lamb that's got a lame leg, while all the meanwhile in their flock, there's this, you know, beautiful goats and lambs. And and the Lord's saying, you know, where is this pure sacrifice, this pure offering? And then in chapter 3, he's talking about the coming of Jesus. He says in verse 2 about the coming of Jesus, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then... The Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. 
And I tell you what, if you go and read the Gospels with this in mind, that Jesus is a refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. John the Baptist gives another picture. He says he has his winnowing fork in his hand and he is separating the chaff and the wheat. It's another picture. It's all about purification. If you go through the Gospels and you think about how Jesus Christ comes to purify, man, it it says in the opening part of that verse, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? And the answer to that question is no man, no woman, no person can stand when Jesus comes. There is no one holy, no one right. And he comes to refine so that those who are not holy, not right, who do not have holy tongues, he is after the holy tongue. That's what he desired. That's how he lived. Christ had the perfect tongue. If you want a a beautiful tongue as God desires, consider the things that came from the lips of Christ. Meditate on them. Would you consider yourself saying them? And say, Lord, I don't understand why Jesus said this, but I want to learn why he said it. And pursue a tongue as Jesus had. Wow, if there was ever a holy tongue, it was the tongue of Christ, wasn't it? And he used his tongue with the words of his mouth, and he was a refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. He took his winning fork and he had it in his hand. And he was refining people. As it says that the Lord will then have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. Can you hear the desire of God, his longing for an offering of righteousness? Do not, do not consider lightly what you speak from your tongue. Do not consider it flippant. But if you want to bring a holy offering to the Lord, an offering of praise on a Sunday and you have beautiful fleet, uh, sheep in your flock, you know, and you want to bring a, a good sheep, you know, not one that's lame, that, you know, it's going to die in a few weeks anyway, and so you're going to sacrifice it now. If you want to bring the holy offering of a pure tongue, it's throughout the week. It's really at home. And again, I just want to reiterate, you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to need the help of God. He says, no man can tame the tongue. But I tell you what, it's, you can just hear the joy of, of people coming in to praise the Lord and it's like the tongue is like the fruit, the cherry on the top, right? It's like we live our lives all through the week and how we speak with our tongue is like the cherry on top, just the beautiful part that's just like, ah, he put the cherry on top. <laughs> that's what the tongue is like as we work at a consistent constant waiting of how we speak and pursue a holy tongue, then it is an acceptable offering. And I just encourage you as well, I'd like to say for those of you who are really desiring, and it's an honourable thing, to teach well in the church, to teach others well. Um, The opening of James, again, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. If you desire that, if you desire to teach people, that's a good thing. And it's a beautiful thing. Isn't it so nice when you've just built up, you like have a one-on-one conversation with someone and they just speak a word of life to you that just ministers to your soul. If you want to be like that, to minister to the church, to your brothers and sisters for the building up of the body, pursue a holy tongue. 
And in due time, the Lord will raise you up, as it says, as you humble yourself under him, and you'll be able to speak forth blessing. Yeah? All right. I'll pray. We'll leave it there. Lord, your scripture says that you, uh, you're a jealous God and that you desire us jealously. And you are so after acceptable offerings, Lord. And I just want to say, Father, that I want to bring an even more pure offering to you. I, I know that I've pursued purity in my tongue, but to an extent, Father. But I want to commit to a holy tongue, I want to commit to a pursuit of the tongue of Christ in my life, that I might truly follow Jesus even with my tongue, Lord. And I am just confess, Father, that I'm going to need your help. I need you to do that. I can't already have come this far by your grace, and I'm going to need your grace to even press more deeply into this. But Lord, I just, I want to teach people well in purity, in love, and as you desire, and I need a holy tongue for that, Father. And you've helped me thus far, and I want you to continue to help me forward, Lord. And I ask for your help. And Lord, if there's my brothers and sisters here tonight who are echoing this prayer in their hearts, Lord, may you hear their prayer, Lord, as they pray it. And as they seek that, Lord, not just on an occasion, not just tonight, but as they seek that during this week, the next week, and the coming weeks, months, and Lord, as the time passes, may they see the purity of their tongue coming as you manifest yourself in their lives. And for those who are pursuing to teach, to speak, to edify, to encourage, to build up, Lord, I do ask for just holiness in the tongue, Lord, for consistent weight, that there would be no flippant words protruding from their mouth, nothing that is just light-hearted or but there'd be a consistent weight, Lord, that every word that protrudes from their mouth will be trusted. And all this, Lord, for your glory, for your praise, for the building up of your body, which is also to your praise, that you might receive the offering of holy praise that you are desiring from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.